Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. In the next few moments, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about talking to yourself as you talk to God. Talking to yourself as you talk to God. And maybe we could say talking to yourself before you talk to God, because I really think sometimes we have to have a conversation with ourselves before we're really ready to have a conversation with God. Because what happens is the enemy is the enemy, and the enemy fears prayer in every person's life. He is, it, it scares him to death when God's people pray. When you pray, you're, you're throwing down the gauntlet. You're saying, no more of this, there's going to be a lot more of that. No more of hell in this situation, I'm going to have a lot more of heaven in this situation. No more of defeat in this situation, I'm going to know some victory in this situation. When we pray, it totally changes the dynamic. The most important conversation that you and I will have outside of prayer, which is a conversation with God, is the conversation that you and I have with ourselves, especially as it relates to calling on God. Because the longer I pastor, the more I'm aware that what happens to people, and I would say people watching online and people that are listening here in the room tonight, that as you've come into the presence of the Lord, the enemy hates it that you're here. He hates it that you would even pray. And so what he tries to do is he tries to stop the act of prayer and worship in the presence of God, lest you receive something supernatural from God. You say, well, how does he do it? What, how is he stopping it? Well, some of the ways he does it is he shames people over their sin so that you come in and when it's time to pray for yourself or to pray for something greater, you sense God moving all of a sudden instead of, of entering in and going after God, you're covered with guilt because of something you did perhaps long ago or because when you look at when you look at your life and you take it in its totality you 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 feel like your life hasn't been what it could have been, maybe what it should have been, what you would have wanted it to be. And, and all of a sudden, because it's not what you wanted to be, you feel it's not what God wanted to be. And the enemy's right there saying, oh, yeah, it, you have really, really failed God. Why would he listen to you? And then... He reminds people of their failures. Well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You're, you're not much of a father. You're not much of a mother. You're not much of this. You're not much of that. All, all of these things. Boy, you sure, and every, whenever the preacher starts to preach on something, then the enemy's right there saying, well, you sure aren't, aren't doing very well on that, are you? It makes you feel guilty because you missed this devotional time or, or you, didn't, you didn't live up to, to what you said or what you feel somehow the standard is. Or he causes people to forget the things God has already done. 
the things he's done around them, the testimonies they've heard that thrilled their heart, built their faith, or especially the things that he's done in your life. Because when we forget what God has done in our life, then faith begins to fail and fear sets in. And that's why we have to learn to talk to ourselves as we, as we talk to God and before we talk to God. The psalmist King David understood this. He says this in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's talking to himself. He's talking to his inner man. He's saying, he's saying, soul, he's saying to himself, come on, David, you need to be praising God. You know, sometimes you come into church, you don't feel like coming to church. Sometimes it's time to pick up your Bible and read. You don't feel like picking up your Bible and reading. Sometimes it's time to get alone with God. You don't feel like doing it. And that's when you got to talk to yourself and you got to say, hey, you may not feel like it, but you need to do it. You may not want to, but if you'll do it now, you'll be glad that you did. So get a hold of yourself. It's time to praise God. That's what David's doing. He's talking to himself. It's a sign of genius. If you do that, he's a genius. You got to talk to yourself. You got to coach yourself up. The problem is a lot of people talk to themselves as just that they're saying the wrong things. They're saying negative things. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not attractive enough. You're not winsome enough. You're not whatever. And all those things the enemy loves for you to say, but the enemy is afraid when you say to yourself, you know what, I don't feel like going to church, but I'm going. I don't feel like singing, but I'm singing. Every time you make that declaration, that is a declaration against the power of hell, and it is releasing the power of heaven. It is saying, God, I believe you're going to do something awesome in my life, and I'm, I've come to receive. This is what David's saying. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now watch this. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's not, he understands the danger is that you and I could start to do something but not do it with all of our heart. That we could sing, but it's not with all of our heart. That we could pray, and it's not with all of our heart. That we could worship, and it's not with all of our heart. David says, oh no, soul, you got to get a hold of yourself, all that is within me. Every ounce, every inch, every fiber of my being, you got to focus on God. Because the more you give, the more you got. Because the more you invest the more you get a return. You know, sometimes people think, well, you know, at least I went. Well, at least you did. And you got something, you just didn't get what you could have got. If we want to make the most of being in the presence of the Lord, then we've got to, all, we've got to be all there. We got to give ourselves holy. There, there's a blessing that comes to the wholehearted, to the person that's all in, to the person that says, I'm all there, to the person that says, I'm all about this. I'm going to pray with all that is within me. I'm going to praise with all that is within me. I'm going to be all there because when I'm all there, I get all that God has for me. 
Jesus said, with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you, right? The measure you use. You use all of you, you get all of him. You give him a half-hearted commitment, you get, you get less. And we're here, and the psalmist is saying, man, when you come into the presence of the Lord, talk to yourself and say, you know what? It's time to do this. I need to do this. And all of me is going to do this. And when you do that, it will radically change your encounter with God. The psalmist says, I bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He goes on and says this in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Isn't that interesting? He, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He says, come on, soul. And, and all of me, come on. And then he says it again, come on, soul. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because our flesh is stubborn, right? The flesh resists. The flesh doesn't want to do it. That's why we got we to gotta say, you know, because some of you think that because you're, you struggle to do it, that you think for the person next to you who's all effervescent and happy and doing it, that it's just easy for them. That's not necessarily true. A lot of times we just got to get a hold of ourselves. And we got to talk to ourselves. And when ourself doesn't follow, we got to say, hey, did you hear what I just said to you? Get in the game. Get going. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And then he says, let's just start by thinking about what he does. One of the keys to being able to be wholehearted in your time with the Lord is to remember all that God does. Forget not all his benefits. How many of his benefits? All his benefits. Begin to start listening. God, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. You know what? A great thing in your prayer time is when you know you got an X amount of time, you've talked to yourself, now you're in, and all of a sudden you start blessing the Lord, you start praising him, you start thanking him, him for all his benefits, not some, but they just start coming to you and you say, God, you did this and I just thank you because I've watched how you did this and this and oh God, thank you. You gave me this. You provided that. You went before me over there. God, you've been so good to me. You give me a great church. You've given me a wonderful family. You, you've given me a job. Lord, you've given me favor in a situation where I needed favor. You've been forgiving. You've been kind. You've been merciful. And you get to the end of your prayer time and you're, you're like, uh, I didn't even ask for anything. I just spent my whole time thanking God for everything. And you know what? Sometimes when you do that, what happens is God says, you're so full of me. I'll take care of the other stuff. Don't worry about it, right? David says, we've got to bless the Lord and forgetting out all of his benefits. I love it, and you, you know I think highly of this quote because I've used it many times. David Martin Lloyd-Jones is really one of my heroes of the faith, a great preacher of the last century, and he said this in his book, Spiritual Depres Depression, the main art of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. This is the key from a great man of God. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? 
In other words, you got to get a hold of yourself. He goes on to say the essence of this matter is to understand that this self of ours, this other man within us, has got to be handled. You got to take control of your soul. You got you to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise God, soul. Rather than letting your soul talk to you and tell you about all the problems, the soul loves to rehearse its misery. The soul loves to, to recite the offenses. The soul likes to dwell in the realm of feelings, which often aren't, you know, they're neither here nor there, but you can't dwell on them and you can't build your life on what you feel because that comes and goes. You have to build your life on the Word of God and the truth on convictions in the Word of God. Well, he goes on and he says, do not listen to him, turn on him, speak to him, upbraid him, exhort him, encourage him, remind him of what you know instead of listening placidly to him and allowing him to drag you down and depress you. If you listen to your soul and you listen to yourself, you'll wind up depressed. You gotta, your spirit man has got to take control of the soul and say, we're going to bless God, right? Well, let me give you three things, or four things the psalmist teaches us. The psalmist reminds us, first of all, that God has forgiven our sins, and this is so awesome. Satan wants to, again, remind us of our sins. You know, you come in to God's presence, and, and Satan wants to remind you of all the times you failed. He wants you to feel like, you know, he, he comes, he says these kind of things to you. If you're hearing this, you know it's not God, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the enemy that's coming and saying, do you think God is going to listen to you? I mean, really now? He'll listen to Pastor Debbie, he's not going to listen to you. He'll listen, he'll listen to Pastor Josh, he's not listening to you. And he loves to work you that way. And then he loves to say, because after all, you know who you are, and I know who you are, and, and you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. And I mean, what a hypocrite. You'd raise your hand. Really, are you going to be that person? Are you going to be that hypocrite? Oh, you're going to sing like, like you're going to sing of the Lord's salvation and his love. Like, do you remember what just went on about six hours ago? Are you kidding me? He wants to silence your voice. He wants to crush your faith. He wants to extinguish your hope. He wants to put you down so that you don't get up, you don't ask God, you don't believe anything, you, don't, you, you just sit there and, and you say, well, at least I can enjoy the presence of the Lord. That's not God's will for you. He wants you to enjoy his presence, but he wants to do a lot of things in your life. This is what the psalm says, forgetting out all of his benefits. What's the first one? He forgives. How much? How much? How much? All my sins. All. Not some, all. Not the past sins, all. Not just your present sins, all. Future sins, all. He forgives all your sins. Every one of them, past. 
past, present, and future. Look at it in verse 10. He does not punish us for all our sins. You say, why is that? Because he punished Jesus. He laid all our sin on Jesus and punished him on the cross for our sin, all of our sin. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. I mean, he's merciful. He's gracious. Listen, I'm not saying God doesn't discipline whom the Lord loves. He disciplines as a, as a father disciplines his child, Hebrews chapter 12. So there certainly is a measure of discipline. But even in that, he is not harsh. He is merciful. He is a loving heavenly father. So he's a forgiving God. He's forgiven your sin. If you constantly are thinking of your sin, if you're constantly rehearsing your sin, if it's constantly coming back to you, it's because theologically you don't understand what happened at the cross to your sin. And that's where you got to have a little talk. You got to say to your soul, soul, you have a terrible theology. You need to, you need to get a little more of the word in you. And soul, you need to understand some things. My sin, all of it was nailed to the cross. At the cross, it was covered by the blood. That blood is so powerful that it, in the words of theologians, expiates. It actually takes all my sin away. I mean, the psalmist says this, look at it. It says this in Psalm 103 and verse 12. He has removed our sins. Removed, gone. Gone. How far gone? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins and transgressions from us. Gone. Gone. They're not there. God's not talking about them, so why are you? And if God's not talking about them, but there's a voice talking about them, then who is that? That is the devil, and you need to say, get thee behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God. And you need to say, God, you have forgiven all my sin, oh soul. Isn't it wonderful God has forgiven your sin? It's so good. We got to talk to ourselves. So when we come into the presence of the Lord, we praise the Lord by saying, God, I thank you that through the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross for my sin, my sins are gone. Yeah. Good. Removed, washed away, covered by the blood. I don't bear them. You don't bear them. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed them from me. So I've, we're not here to deal with that. Yeah. You say, well, what if I failed the Lord? Well, you confess. You, you go to the Lord and you say, listen, God, I, I'm repenting. Really, what you do is you repent. What is repentance? It's saying, God, I acknowledge this went on in my life, and you've forgiven me of my sin, and I'm repenting. I am turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you, and I'm not going there anymore. I'm walking with you. I acknowledge my sinfulness to God and move on. And then you move on. So he forgives our sin. Number two, the psalmist reminds us that God understands our weakness. Yeah. 
Psalm 103 in verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You know what this sounds like? Sounds a lot like what we talked about Sunday morning. When Moses said to the Lord, show me your glory, what did God do? God puts him in a cleft in the rock, and God says, I'm going to pass by. And as he passes by, he, he, the voice proclaims, the Lord, gracious and merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Right there it is. What is the glory of God? The glory of God, the greatest attribute, the greatest aspect of God's glory is his loving kindness and forgiveness that was, was extended to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And in all of heaven, in the most glorious scene in heaven that we have in the Bible, Jesus is exalted as what? The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, the one who gave was the sacrifice for sin, the one who is the essence of God's love and gift for us, his provision for the forgiveness of our sin. That is the glory of God. It is to his glory that he displays this compassion to us. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's slow to get angry. If you have the idea that God's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get you. If that's the way you view God, you're thinking of the wrong person. Because that's the way the devil is. That's not the way our Heavenly Father is. Our God is filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. You know who the enemy is? The enemy, Satan. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who stands before the throne night and day, accusing believers, assaulting believers, maligning believers. That's why when you come into a place and you're feeling accused and you're feeling condemned and you're feeling, I'm not talking about you never knew the Lord and you haven't, you haven't given your heart to Christ. You're feeling a conviction from the Holy Spirit. But once you've come to the Lord, once once you know the Lord, then when you, when you hear that voice of accusation, that's time for you to talk to yourself and say, soul, listen, God is not accusing. He will not constantly accuse. That voice that we're hearing there, that is not God. That is the devil. And devil, get behind me. Do, I won't listen to you. I'm not going to put up with you. You're not going to accuse me like you're the voice of God. You're the devil. You're a liar, and you're the father of lies, and I am not listening to your lies. I am forgiven. I'm a child of the king, and Lord, I praise your name. You're a forgiving and a gracious and a merciful God. You got to talk to yourself before you talk to God. I mean, it's just so important. In verse 13, we read this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He gets it. He understands. He remembers we're only dust. You're just a pile of dirt. He understands that. He loves you anyway. But he gets the, the frailty of the human condition. 
This, is, this thought is mirrored in the New Testament in Hebrews. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, you say, who's that? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Why? For he faced all of the same test things we do. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to feel like in a moment he's been forsaken. He knows what it's like to have people turn on him. He knows what it's like to be weary. He knows, he knows, he knows. He never sinned in all of that, but he knows exactly what you and I are going through. And so what happens? He doesn't say, well, I did it. At least you could try harder. No. He says, you know what? I know, you're, I know what you're going through. And so please come and tell me about it because I want to help you. So let us boldly approach the throne of grace. Grace. There we will receive mercy and we'll find grace. What is that? Those two, mercy and grace, God's loving kindness. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve in terms of judgment. And grace is God giving us what we don't deserve in terms of his loving kindness and his goodness and his forgiveness and his blessing. The loving kindness of God. And when you and I come to, to God, we're coming to somebody who knows exactly what we're going through and loves us and says, I want to help you with it. Number three, and we move along quickly here. The psalmist reminds us of the good things God has done for us. The good things. Has God been good to you? He has, hasn't he? And some of you are new in this, and, and can I just tell you, If you're a new Christian, boy, are you in for a great journey. God will be better to you than you'd be to yourself. And the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he starts to list them. He forgives all your sins. Wow, that's huge. Then look what he says. He heals. He heals. He heals my diseases. All. He's a healing God. His name's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He says to the Israelites, he says, listen, if you'll serve me and you'll follow me, none of the diseases that are coming on the other people are going to come on you. I'm a God who heals. You know, sometimes people think, well, it has to happen instantly, and it can, and that's, a, that's an awesome thing. Sometimes it happens gradually, and that is also an amazing thing. Yeah. I was thinking as I was reading this, he heals all my diseases. Back in 2010, I began to get Raynaud's in my hands where it's an autoimmune disease, and, and my, my fingers would go white. I was getting ready to climb Kelly, and I went to the doctor, and he said, yeah, you just want to be careful, and, and it, it, it got progressively worse, so that even in the summer, I, I mean, I could, if I drank anything cold, my fingers would go, immediately would go white. It, it got terrible, and so back during this season where God really touched me and healed me, what's happened as a result of that is 
my, my fingers are healing. I, I rarely now ever have my fingers turn white. He's healing my disease. He's making me whole. He's restoring me. Another, another thing that Mayo said, there's no cure for it. We, we can't do anything. We give you medicine, but you probably feel worse. He's healed my disease. He's a God who heals. I'm just telling you, he's a God who heals disease.